grown men who care way more than they should. Glenn Clark. Glenn, no way. I'm sorry, Aaron. Did Alicia Fox call you the man beast? AJ Francis. And of course, everyone boos Roman Reigns, even though he puts on the best match of the night. Aaron Oster. Guys, look, there was that one time. You know, <laughs> oh, geez, Aaron. You're the worst. You are the worst. This is jobbing out. It's so much funnier with both of you being not here and trying to get all three of us on the same beat at the same time. It's so much funnier that way. All right, welcome in. It is episode number 83 of uh, Jobbing Out. I am Glenn Clark. He is Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone. He is, of course, the main event. Vent. Vent. Eh? 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 Okay, I'll get it. Ah, damn it. AJ Francis of the New York Football Giants, uh, and and of course it's uh, episode number eighty three because we got a great we got a couple of great guests on this week's show. Uh, one of which is the by the way, Glenn. I, I got to admit, right here, right now. Yeah, the best bit that you've come up with so far in our show, I think, okay, is how now that we forgot how many episodes we had, we just come up with a random number that we say. And you know what's really, you know what's even makes it even better? I don't prepare it until about three seconds before I have to say the number. <laughs> <laughs> three as i hit the music to, to begin the show i think to myself oh shit i didn't come up with a number this week but luckily most weeks i'm able to like think of something on the fly related to wrestling that week um uh, last week obviously it was easy one billion as in the one billion dollars that fox paid for uh, smackdown this week it just happens to be about our guest as uh, joining us this week is the one and only eric bischoff and uh, eric has a new podcast it's called 83 weeks so look at how that worked out that uh, this is episode number 83 this week. But, yeah, we lost track a long time ago. I would love for us to be able to celebrate episode number 300, but I genuinely have no clue when episode well, number 300 is. Three, a ways away. We're at, like, one, we're probably around, like, 175, somewhere around there. Oh, really? I thought we were after two, I thought we were past 200. <laughs> no, 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 because we, we had it. our three-year, like, a um, couple months ago. All right, so. well, fair enough. Fair enough. Whatever yep. we are, that's where we're at. But, yeah, I, I think of it about two seconds before I have to say the number, and then uh, luckily it seemed to work out. Uh, yeah, Eric Bischoff will join us this week, which uh, kicks ass because he's Eric Bischoff. So we got a lot that we can talk to Eric Bischoff about. Um, old Eric Bischoff stories, his take on everything going on currently in the world of pro wrestling. Uh, we'll talk about all that with him. Also, Veda Scott is going to join us this week as uh, she's getting ready for the Commonwealth Cup next weekend with Nova Pro Wrestling. Uh, you've seen Veda as part of Ring of Honor and with uh, Impact Wrestling over the years. And she'll be back in Annandale next weekend for the Commonwealth Cup. So we'll talk to her about all of that. A lot to do. Also, we promised last week that we would uh, fantasy book SummerSlam this week. So we'll get into that as well as we got a busy, busy show for you. We will start this week, however, uh, just by going over the week that was in the world of pro wrestling. And again, I'm going to say that this, the theme continued this week with the one sort of weird... You know, uh, like you shoehorn Big Cass back into the match, which was a little bit weird. And, and, it, and it, I get it, it works because it, it stole us. 
it stole away what we really wanted, which was Daniel Bryan, Samoa Joe. So a heel stealing that from us, that's a good thing. Although technically it wasn't really him that stole it from us. It actually ended up being Paige that stole it from us. And I don't think she's supposed to be a heel, but she at least had reason for it. So I'm good with it. But in general, I would say that the theme of the last few weeks continued for me this week, which is just good matches. Like great matches. I mean, like, and dude, I think it's been about a month of shows that have been dominated by just really good wrestling. And uh, that's a good thing. I have no problem. It's okay to me. Bro, the the, uh, three-on-three tag match? Yeah. Amazing. It's so funny because you just stole a bit that I was going to do. I was going to say, hey, AJ, do your bit. And then when you asked what the best match was, I was going to say, yeah, it didn't happen on Raw. So, (laughs) no. It didn't. It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable how good that match was. Kofi diving over the top. I was like, what are you guys doing? This is <laughs> uh, no, dude, it was incredible. And well, I, Tuesday's now worth more than Sunday, so they better start doing it on Tuesday. Right, I guess that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I don't know how to, to mark this, and I would have to go back to see exactly when it started, but it just feels like... It, it's probably Honestly, it was probably right after Backlash when they started doing the Money in the Bank qualifiers where it was less about the storylines, more, okay, you know, we know where we're going. We just need to have the matches to get there. Yeah. That's that's the moment. Dude, it's been... I mean, I just feel like... The, and I get it. There have been lows, right? Like the Bobby Lashley segment still happened and they still, for some reason, are addressing it instead of just moving on and pretending like it didn't happen, which would be best for everybody. Um, <laughs> like, it's not as if everything's been perfect, but the dominant theme has been really good matches that overwhelmingly served purpose. And and it's just such a simple formula for us all to sit back and say, hey, yeah, maybe maybe they're not the most memorable shows or the most memorable moments in wrestling history, but damn it, it's been fun to watch wrestling for the last four weeks. And all the while, every single week, it somehow gets better. You can say that. You know, you sure. really, you really can. I, you know, I don't know what I would say to argue with you. Um, it, I mean, I don't know if it gets. I, I thought that first week after Backlash was so good. You know, we really had good. the um, the Brian Rusev that one SmackDown that we went to where it was just it had Miz and Hardy and Brian and Rusev, and I don't know if a show has quite topped that wrestling wise, like overall. You but I mean, they're that. all good. You must not have watched that that six man tag. I said what? Well, yeah, that's one match. I'm talking about overall. Yeah, it was no, a, that, that match was fantastic. Yeah, it was a, both a really, really good match, and in general, I, again, I thought everything. Look, the, the big cast thing was weird, but it worked. I, I didn't, I didn't love the bait and switch there. The fact that you were promoting that match for a right. week, just, just on principle, I don't like if you're promoting a match for a week to, to do the bait and switch. But as you said, in storyline, it, it makes sense. Right, it worked, and I, it makes me wonder about our little SummerSlam predict, predictions. Um. Well, I mean, it's pretty clear that they're going to do Daniel Bryan Cass again. Uh, you know, at, at Money in the Bank, right? It's... Right. So that that's going to happen. So Daniel Bryan's not going to win Money in the Bank. Um, I didn't have him winning Money in the yeah, Bank. Yeah. Did anybody have him winning Money in the Bank? Now that I think about it, I guess we. I guess none of these matches necessarily need Daniel Bryan to win Money in the Bank. Is the point? None of them that we did is going to require that. All right, we'll get back to that because we're going to finish our our thoughts on um, SummerSlam in segment number two. But, look, coming out of this, everything's all good. Do you think there's a reason why they haven't announced which New Day member it's going to be that's going to be in the Money in the Bank match? They don't have to. They, they might as well, because now we're, we, have, we have basically all the qualifying matches are done, right? So we have all of the participants except for the New Day. So now you have still a little bit of degree. So we still have 
is it two or like two Raws and two SmackDowns to go? You still have that little bit of mystery. Okay, who really is the final competitor? Yeah, that's true. That does exist, and so it's a there is something left that you still have to find out between now and then. Do you think they'll announce it before? Like somebody, I don't remember which one of them, but one of the broadcasters teased, "Hey, we might not find out to the night of the show." Do you think they go that route? I'm going to say no. Just, just you know, I, I think they could, and I don't think that would be a bad idea. But my hunch is they announce just so they can have that final moment with all the people involved and put it on the poster. So they do it the SmackDown before the the Go Home Show. Okay, I think they do it, but that that's just a hunch. They could do it that way. Are we? Are like so? Are, we're all split too because I've I've assumed the entire time it's going to be Big E, but but you have not agreed with that, AJ. No, I, it makes me like it's like they're trying to tell me it's going to be Xavier. Why do you say that? Because every single match that they've had since this became a thing, like who's going to be in it, Xavier has been the focal member of the New Day in the match. Okay. And he's carried the matches. Now, Big E did finish this one. Right. But every other match was, and this match, the best person in this match was Xavier Woods. Um, That's true. You're not wrong. <laughs> it's, it's true. It was, Xavier's so, definitely stepped up the past few weeks. He's been great. Yeah, like, there's no question they've been spotlighting him, but I feel it's more as a okay we're spotlighting him so you you have that bit of doubt and less of we're spotlighting him because we're about to put him in the you match. You think it's a swerve? I mean, I hope I hope it's Kofi. You know that, right? Right. That's what I know you want it to be. And look, I I think it should be and will be Biggie, and I've thought that all along. And I but that's me selfishly thinking that Biggie deserved a push, you know, a year and a half ago. That, that he didn't get, and that it is time finally to give Big E a singles push because he's got everything and can still work within the context of the New Day even while he gets a singles push. So that's that's just what I want for him because I think that it's it's been deserved for a long time. Uh, I'll tell you what, if you tell me, like, one of these people are winning the briefcase, I want it to be Kofi because he des- he's been around so long and he deserves it. If you're telling me that whoever's in is going to lose, I want it to be Big E. Okay. Okay, I can see that, right? Like that, I agree with Aaron completely. Yeah, I think that works. That it, you know, if 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 you're if, if you're guaranteeing one of these guys is going to get a championship, you know, how cool would it be for it to be Kofi? You know what I mean? Like what what a moment that would be for wrestling fans for for it to be Kofi. Yeah, that would be really neat. That would be really special for that to play out that way. Um, I, I don't know. I just want Big E to get a push one way or the other. So that, right, that's exactly. all, that's all I'm asking for. But, We're, and here's the fun thing: there's no way to be disappointed in this. No, no way. Even right. if they go with Xavier, dude. Actually, to be honest, if I'm being honest, I do want Kofi to win. But if somebody's going to be in the match and lose, I actually hope that's Xavier because I think he can benefit most from that. And I think he would do all the crazy spots we would expect from Kofi in a match like that. Just to like kind of pay homage and yeah. then do some cool shit himself. Oh yeah, I, a- I I agree with you. I just I I have less faith in them really strapping the rockets to Xavier. I could see them saying, "All right, we want to push Biggie." I just as much as I'd like it, I just I have a hard time seeing it with Xavier. So no, I'd no, rather no, no. play. I'm, I'm, sa- I'm saying Xavier. I want him to be in the match if he's not going to win. Right? No. Well, I know, but I'm saying like if, if we're using this as a kind of single spotlight, whether or not he wins the match, which you know we we kind of have talked about before, this might be that moment for Biggie where he doesn't win it. But that's when you say, okay, Biggie, singles guy, here we go. Right. Right. And um, now it's on. I, I just don't necessarily see that for Xavier, which I mean, sucks because he's great. I just don't see it. And then you could set up a triple threat at SummerSlam between Biggie, Big Cass, and Big Show for the right to be big. 
You know, like nobody's allowed. They are to hey, long hey, have they been already did, on that. <laughs> already uh, did that in WCW, and while they stole a lot from Eric Bischoff, I think he's going to put his foot down <laughs> on that one. <laughs> Um, all right, staying on SmackDown, uh, let me. I guess let's just get into the big cast thing. As I said, shoehorn, and I'm with you. Like, I, I, you promote this match for a week; it's what everybody wants. Everybody wants to see it, and now you take it away. Again, it's a heel that took it away. That's a good thing, but the Page part is weird because Page isn't supposed to heal, be a heel, and technically she ended up being the one who took it away. That being said. But Big Cass did promise that he was going to be there, right? Like, I'll be there. I'll, I'll, I'll be your shadow. You're not getting rid of me. And he, he has a compelling argument within kayfabe, which is, hey, dude, um, this is supposed to be my chance. So I'm, I'm cleared. I should be in this match. It's hard to bitch about any of it. it it's disappointing, but it's hard to bitch about any of it in storyline, outside of storyline, because it all kind of makes sense. I mean, I don't disagree with you. Yeah. yeah, I mean, again, mine was solely on principle that if you advertise something, you know, more than just a day in advance, if you advertise something for a week, you probably should get at least a little bit of it. But yes, it all it all makes sense. It all works. And as long as we're getting Daniel Bryan and Joe in the relatively near future, I'm not going to complain too much. Yeah, um, you know, it's it's interesting. When do you think that is? I guess the point is they've got time. You know what I mean? They're both on the same right. show for a while. We're going to get a Daniel Bryan-Samoa Joe match at some point, presumably. Um, whether that's sooner or later, I don't know. But we're, presumably we're going to get it. Um, in the meantime, it does, again, lead to another Daniel Bryan-Big Cass match, which it <laughs> nobody wants. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, nobody really wanted the first one. But I, I said then I could live with it because I – it was delaying the inevitable Daniel Bryan Miz match that I wanted until SummerSlam. I guess AJ, the point would now be, it, you could start to see, plant the seeds of doubt that there's enough time for them to give us Daniel Bryan Miz at SummerSlam, which would make you think that it would be more inclined for them to hold out and try to drag it all the way out to WrestleMania. I mean, I hope. My big thing is this: if it's Daniel Bryan versus the Miz at WrestleMania, I want the Miz to win. If the Miz is not going to win because he could frankly use it more and it would solidify him a little more as the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. Right. If that's not gonna happen, I would honestly prefer that they do it at SummerSlam. What if I told you that Daniel Bryan was going to win because the Miz had already carried the WWE title for six months? Then yeah, I agree with you. Okay. So now it's it's a, it's a now it's a hero with a huge you know face moment at, at WrestleMania that works all right. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm good with all of that. And again, it just seems way more logical right now than than trying to put this whole thing together in time for SummerSlam. Like, what, how how are you even doing that if Daniel Bryan's not going to be in the Money in the Bank match? So, um, I I do think that makes the most sense at this point for them to try to drag things out a little bit longer and get there. But, you know, you need to add direction. And I'm with you. Like, I, it's interesting. You know, in that scenario, Aaron, what I've been saying all along happens. Give the briefcase to Miz. Oh, yeah. That, that's how I mapped it out last <laughs> week. I said Miz cashes in at the end of SummerSlam. He holds it. You can actually have it or, you know, whenever. It doesn't have to be right after SummerSlam. Here's what I, I mean. My path has always been you have that first match. You have Miz like cheat to win, you know, win in a really underhanded fashion wherever it is. Maybe it's not at SummerSlam at this point because it seems a little bit tricky to get there. Maybe it's what is Night of Champions, the the September paper, whatever it is. Right? No, 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 no. You're you're doing this wrong, Aaron. Miz has to 
I repeat, has to cash in his money in the bank briefcase on a random SmackDown. Not the SmackDown after WrestleMania. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. I'm saying, but but what I'm but I'm saying is, you beat Daniel Bryan there. You then cash it in a little bit later, wherever it is, and then you you go forward with kind of moving all the pieces towards WrestleMania. The, the my my thing is this though, because of how he did it on a random Raw, I really need him to do it on a random SmackDown. All right. Well, I also think it's important for him to do it more on a random SmackDown because if you do it at the end of SummerSlam, it's going to get a huge pop. You know what I mean? Like that, right. that you don't want that. And you, I'm saying you want you want his will, Oh, let me no no no. If a random crowd gets a live cash in, they're going to pop. But okay, yeah, but not it's like, not going to be the same. Man. Right. But they, they they pop like they they did pop for the Miz when he came out. It was like, "Oh boy, here we go. We're going to see a title change." And then after he won, it was Miz girl. But that here's the thing. That was one person, and that was a very long time ago. Sure. I mean, you, you, you have to plan it. You have to say, okay, where are we going? Where are we going to not get, you know, that crowd? Where are we most likely to get, you know, even though, and you have to make it against, it has to be against AJ Styles. It has to be against someone who is overwhelmingly popular because you're going to get the pop. You always get the pop because the pop always comes at the end of the match. A pop always comes for a title change. But you got to be careful with it. Well, you know it's going to happen. We're going to get AJ. Nakamura wins here. We keep getting AJ versus Shinsuke. We literally get AJ versus Shinsuke at every for nine months. Right, correct. And then, but why is that a bad? Thing? And I, and you know what, AJ, you might be right. If you if you have <laughs> Shinsuke win here, right? Like if he wins now, if he if you do another non contest, then it's a very bad thing. But if you if you let Shinsuke win here, you do it again for the next two pay per views, and then you have AJ win at SummerSlam. Then he's overcame, then he's conquered, then he's a huge face, and it would prevent or allow the moment that you're talking about, Aaron, which is even if you did it at SummerSlam, you could still get you know a true heel heat on the Miz because you had AJ overcome Shinsuke to finally win again, get the title back, and then you have the Miz cash in. But it does mean more AJ Shinsuke Nakamura for you know seven straight months. That is what that would mean essentially at that point. I. Have to do the math on it, but it's something along those lines. Yeah, that would be. I think that would be the seventh. Uh, assuming they don't wrestle on Raw and SmackDown, that would be the seventh uh, AJ Shinsuke match. Although again, here's the, we, and here's the craziest part: if I'd have told you one year ago, right, that we were going to get seven yeah, Shinsuke yeah, AJ style matches, you'd be like, "That's fucking sick." Of course it would be, <laughs> but we didn't know all they were going to do is hit each other in the dick, AJ. <laughs> All right. Um, some other things that jumped out at me from SmackDown, then we'll move to Raw real quick. Um, I, you know, look, I, I, the Lana Naomi thing was fine. Like, it, it, that was the best dance off ever. It was and definitely. The, you're right about well, that. I just they actually both could throw the fuck down. They could dance. It wasn't just a comedy spot. For the first time ever, a dance off wasn't a comedy spot. Okay, it made sense. But it was a little. And I will say this because I feel like I have to at this moment. Uh. On behalf of the black delegation, I will say Naomi <laughs> did win. She only won. She only won because she did that long, that crazy ass split drop at the end. I was gonna say, I think you could make a case that Lana won. No, Lana definitely, I think, had a better dance number all in all. But when you do the the leg drop into a split, nah, you got it, bro. You won. <laughs> uh, the only thing I'll say is we're still doing the bit where we're trying to pretend like Rusev isn't a face. Like, it's it's a really weird bit. Like, we're just gonna keep. Well, I know what we'll do. We'll have uh, Rusev Day versus the Usos. Well, like we, we, 
This, it, why do you keep putting him against? Like he's a, the biggest face in the goddamn show. Like what are you doing? I don't get it. He's a huge, massive face. Like come on, man. I, I just don't. Is he? he is. How is he not? <laughs> I just don't get it, dude. I don't get it at all. Like what are you doing? Man? I did see. I did see um, a woman wearing a Happy Rooster Day shirt in Chipotle yesterday. Of course you did, because it's it, every day is Rusev it, it, Day. I'm pretty sure the Happy Rusev Day shirt was like the number one shirt at Mania. I mean, dude, he's the biggest face there is, and we just keep pretending like it's not a thing, and I don't understand it. Like I just don't get it at all. He's the biggest face. And again, by the way, congr- did you say to her congratulations on actually remembering to pull that shirt out on Rusev Day? Like it's no, always very difficult. I told, right? her, I told her, hey, it's Rusev Day. That's a very proper shirt. <laughs> right like think about all the shirts you own that you're like oh i know a day i'm gonna wear this and then you forget to wear it on that day she actually remembered to wear her rusev shirt on rusev day which is it's really amazing when you think about it that way and it's crazy how it always works out like that yeah it is it's it is incredible how it manages to work <laughs> out that way it is truly incredible um anything else from smackdown that we need to cover no. Yeah, I, I think that's. I mean, look, it it was a good week. It was a good week. It was good yeah. matches. It was a good week. Um, as far as Raw, as far as Raw is concerned, AJ, go ahead. All right, gentlemen, who had the best match on Raw? AJ, I'm so glad you asked. I'm so glad that you asked this question because again, I've told you before. I now watch Raw, thinking purposely about how I'm going to answer this question, and as you should. Um, and this week was tough, right? Like this was a yeah, tough, it was actually this was a tough week. Roman is not involved, but no. it is tough. It is tough. No, it's tough because I think again there are a couple of legitimate options. Like, um, I, I re- about, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I was no. gonna say I, I just want to throw it out right there. Uh, depending on how we're ruling the gauntlet, I know we last time we had a gauntlet, we had a question on if it's the yeah. whole thing. I loved Ruby Sasha. That I, ending part I thought great. it was great. I, I, honest to God, I thought it was great. And I would have no problem with that being just sort of the answer because it's the answer, right? Like, I would have no problem with that whatsoever. Um, Bobby Roode, Kevin Owens was... That is the one that I think. I mean, it was a great match. It was a great <laughs> match. Again, this is, this is the neat thing Kevin about... Kevin Owens is out here reminding me why I wore a fight scene fight shirt. Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> he is... We started doing the math on this. He might his name might pop up just as frequently as Roman's name on this list. Yeah. Um, I I liked man. I did like the end of it. I did like. I don't know. I think if I had to vote, I would probably give it to Bobby Roode and Kevin Owens. I think I would say that was the best match on Raw. I, I'm not going to argue with it. <laughs> All right. Well, then that's your answer. Yeah. AJ, update the standings. Uh, all right. Hold on. After 21 weeks. Roman Reigns' record is 8, 12, and 1 against the entire WWE roster. I might need you to let me know what Bob, uh, Kevin Owens' record is when you get the chance. Did, you, know what? Just... you know what I'm going to do for the remainder of this show while we're talking? I'm going to put a all... I guess I can only put Roman's record on there, but I could put uh, what everybody else... How many wins everyone has. Okay, all right, very good. Um, I, look... <laughs> Everything that happened on Raw, I'm good by it all. It's are you good? Are you good with it all? Well, I'm not. Again. Deny a thing. Okay, yeah, thank you. I'm really, I, I'm stupid. I should have stopped myself from that. Yeah, 
That's fucking bullshit. Um, <laughs> what the fuck happened, man? Like, what the fuck is going on there? God damn it. I hate myself for not remembering that that happened. I, I just, like, it's like I want to blog it out of my brain and pretend like it's not a thing. So here's what we're going to do, guys. I got a great idea. We're going to take this specimen of an athlete, right? Like, this dominant, unbelievable athlete, and we're going to have her lose all the time. And then we're going to finally let her win by trying to make her an underdog. And then at the moment that we've sold that concept, that she's somehow an underdog, for absolutely no fucking reason at all, we're going to try to turn her heel again which didn't work the first time, despite that easily being the best thing that we could have possibly done with her. And what the fuck is this? What is the plan? What is the thought process? How do you not understand what Nia Jax is? I, I'm so baffled by how this has gone. I, I guess I just have to assume at this point that they're in a rush to get the belt on Ronda Rousey. I don't yeah. know why they that, are. That's the, only, that's the only explanation is they don't care about Nia Jax. Correct. They just have to get the belt on Ronda as soon as they possibly can. I don't get it. I don't understand it. It makes no sense, particularly if you're trying to go the four horsewomen, four horsewomen route at SummerSlam. It makes even less sense. I don't get any of this shit at all. It's dumb. Nia's going to win the match. She better, but again, at this point, why? Why? Why do any of this? I was able to live with the fact that, like, look, okay, whatever. You're going to put her in the match. That's fine. You know, let it be Nia Jax trying to prove herself against great competition. Like, I could I could get that. You know what I mean? Like, and then it's Natalia who comes out and spoils it, and now, you know, Ronda's more concerned about Natalia than she is about Nia, so you can move Ronda right back out of the title picture. Nia continues to be, for whatever reason, a face champion. I never understood that to begin with, but fine. You did all the work to get there. Make it happen. Let her have a run through at SummerSlam, and it makes all the sense in the world because you don't want Ronda in the title picture at SummerSlam so she can do the four horsewomen, four horsewomen match. Obladi, Oblada, this is perfect. But this, this week just doesn't gel with any of that. Like, it just, this gels with, we need Ronda to be the face of the women's division as quickly as possible, and so be, be damned anything else that we're doing there. And and to me, that's, it. like, if you want to turn Nia heel again, stupid to do it this quickly, but, you know, I've said that her as a face is problematic. Like, it's well, it was, really it hard was, for her to wrestle as a face. It was always dumb to begin with. That's fine, but you've done it, yeah. like, she's she's been the, the face champion for a month. Right, she's been the face champion for a month. And if you want to do it, make a story involved with it. Don't just go out there and say, oh, by the way, you're a heel. Right. Just like, walk out and belittle hey. your opponent, you know, which is not something that you would have done literally last week. Like three weeks ago, you were doing the inspirational montage about how, you know, how little girls love Naya. And, and wait, does this make Alexa a face? Because Alexa's 100% right about Naya. I guess. <laughs> I guess. She is a bully. No, Alexa is falls into the category we had. Earlier, where like heels are heels could what because they're telling the truth. Oh, man, I don't know, dude. Like, I it's really disappointing. It is really disappointing that they've had Nia Jax and they just haven't fucking been able to figure it out. Like, I don't, I don't get it, man. I don't think I ever will get it. Look, I hope AJ's right. I hope they for some reason still don't have Ronda win the belt here and Nia wins and they just try to make Nia a badass heel. But I, I'm in agreement with, a, with Aaron, which is. She's a heel because she woke up this morning and decided to be a heel. Like, that's the only reason why she's a heel. She hasn't been one. 
and you 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 did all that work to try to get her over as a face, and now it's just like, meh, we cool. Just By the way, how easy? Now. Like, let's say they did. They said, "All right, we're we're going to go forward. We want Nia as a heel." How easy would it have been for her to attack Nia from behind because Nia is getting all the spotlight when she's the champion? You mean how, you, you know mean Ronda? Like, you're saying how what? easy it would have been Nia to attack? Yeah, Ronda? Nia attack Ronda from yeah. behind because Ronda's getting the spotlight, even though not like give her some reason to all of a sudden be like this. Like, you. there's a very easy, quick storyline to tell here. Yeah, I'm with you. And, and they just didn't do it. Correct. They didn't do it. That's a fact. They didn't do it. It makes no sense. I don't. Un- I don't get it. And it was dumb. It was just and super it was dumb. dumb. Like I just. I just. I buried my head during that segment. There's a reason why I forgot. I just buried my head and said we're still doing this. And honestly, I did bury my head a bit. The fact that they're still going to look. I get it. You needed to get to a Sami Zayn Bobby Lashley match, so you got there. God bless. But just stop talking about what a shit storm this is. Just. Just stop it. Stop like the, the, the him coming out with the fake apology and the whole thing. Stop acting like these segments happen. They're all awful. Just just don't reference them anymore. Just, just it, it, it's, it's like when a coach says we're going to burn the tape and move on. Burn the tape. Burn the tape forever. <laughs> Never address that these segments were a thing ever again. Just deal with it. It's it's bad compounded by bad compounded by bad compounded by bad. And Sammy versus Bobby Lashley is fine, but it doesn't seem like at all you're getting Bobby Lashley over as a face because everybody's just sort of saying, hey, dude, this whole thing is really fucking weird. Like, we're not really supporting you as much as we're rolling our eyes at all of this. And so it's just not working. Just bail on it, man. Try something else or just get to the match. You know, like, I, it's it's not good. It is not good. It is awful. It is shit. It is, and it's a bummer because it's Sami Zayn and Bobby Lashley, and they don't deserve shit. They deserve far better than shit, but yet they're being dealt shit. And it just sucks, man. It just sucks. Stop stop acting like any of these things happened. Pretend they didn't. Um, what else from Raw do we need to cover? Um, I mean, it seems very clear that the B team are a comedy team at this point, whether or not, you know, they might move up and end up winning something big. But it, I think, like I said last week, it's going along the Heath and Rhino path. I mean... I mean- yeah, there was a there was an enormous amount of bologna sandwiches there. Right it was there. it was direct. Uh, by the way, that was amazing. Um, <laughs> look, yeah, it was. It certainly was this week. There's no doubt about that. I I don't think they have to be, but part of the problem, uh, no matter what they do, Curtis Axel has to be better. Um, that that was a that was alarming. Like his performance during that skit was dreadful. So they've they've got to work on that. No matter what the plan is for the B team moving forward, because. I, you know, I, I don't think a guy can be in this business for that long and spend his life surrounded by the business and just not be ready for that moment. Like, you're getting a huge opportunity and a huge push. You can't forget your lines in that moment. You're not Ronda Rousey, right? Like, you you are disposable quickly. So whatever it is, like, I, and maybe this is just part because I like Bo Dallas so much that I'm very concerned about it. Curtis Axel's got to be better because it is very easy that they can cast those guys aside immediately and just pretend like it was never a thing that existed so they need more from Curtis Axel and I was I was really stunned by how unprepared he was to deliver if I maybe Jesus you don't, Christ what I mean, he, are you the fucking academy look, dude <laughs> look if I'm put in that situation like I gotta try I gotta you know what here's a good comparison I have to do a, a tryout in this business on Monday you better fucking imagine that I'm gonna be prepared for that 
then I'm not going to forget what it is that I'm supposed to do when the microphone turns on. Dude, you're getting Duh. this opportunity. You better be ready for it. You better be ready to deliver in that moment if you're Curtis goddamn Axel. And I'm presuming a guy that's probably bitched about the fact that he hasn't gotten opportunities. I'm sure that Curtis Axel, given who he is, has spent a lot of time talking backstage with people about how he should be getting better chances. Well, you got a chance. It might not be exactly what you want. I don't know that Curtis Axel in his heart of hearts is like thrilled with the idea that he's being involved in a baked bean competition, you know, a, a, a skit. But that's what you get. This is your chance, and you better fucking deliver when you get that chance. And he didn't. And it was it was a bummer for me because Bo's awesome. Bo's tremendous. And Bo really is a guy that deserves far better than what he's gotten. I don't know what Curtis Axel can bring to the table because we've never really seen anything from Curtis Axel. But we know damn well Bo Dallas is the goods, and this is finally him getting some sort of attention. Again. What do you mean we can't? We don't know what he brings to the table. He was Axel Mania. Come what, on, man. You know, that, you know that was the best that we ever got from him. There's no doubt about that. That was the best that we got ever got from Curtis Axel. I don't know. It really pissed me off, man. I he was be honest in the Royal Rumble for one year. That also is true. That's a good point. God damn it. I am beating up Curtis Axel a little unfairly considering he set all of the records for the Royal Rumble. He was in the Royal Rumble for a full calendar year. All right. I want to take the time. Uh, I know there's been a lot of apologies that have been thrown around this week. Does that count as a botch? No, it's not a botch. But I want to take the time to apologize to Curtis Axel for besmirching his professional wrestling career where he has clearly established himself as a man that is uh, is done far more than I gave him credit for. So I, I apologize to Curtis Axel, and I apologize for all the terrible things that I said about him on Monday night that uh, I didn't put on Twitter because I'm not stupid. Um, <laughs> so what, did you use your burner account, right? <laughs> yeah, right. I, actually, I borrowed one of Brian Colangelo's burner Bro, account. that is so lame. I don't know, man. Like, it's hilarious. <laughs> it's, 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 Bro, it, like I said, it's the best sports people- story since the Monte Teo story. <laughs> This guy literally had multiple accounts where he would talk shit. Like, we have other accounts that we should use more often, and we're shitty about using them. Like, Speak we for all, yourself. Well, no. I mean, like, okay, that's true. Aaron's the worst about using the jobbing out account. We do need to talk about that. Fair. But But we all need to do a better job of getting on the jobbing that's out true. account during the week. You know what I mean? Like, I do a good, a way better job of sharing the show from the account, but we need to do a good job, like, when we're watching wrestling, of hopping on that account and maybe sharing a few things out of it. So we do need to look into yes. that. But we're not good at that. We're not good at an account that we should be good at. Imagine having that many fake accounts. <laughs> God. God, shit. All right. Um, what else from Raw do we have to talk about? Uh, boy, those those were the two things that really jumped out at me about Raw. Then yeah. you know, again, just the good match. Again, I I'm surprised Sasha won because I thought that if Bailey wasn't involved, I mean, are we ever getting would... a Sasha Bailey blow off? Like, is that ever happening? No, like that. Okay. That's the weird thing. I thought that's what we were going towards, and I was like, okay, this is Ruby's time. This makes sense. Ruby looked awesome. No doubt. No doubt. Um. Yeah, weird. Yeah, it is real weird. It's real weird. All right, when we come back in, we're going to chat with Veda Scott, and then we're going to fantasy book SummerSlam. That's on the agenda for segment number two. I'm Glenn Clark. He's Aaron Oster, and he's... The main event. AJ Francis, this is Jobbing Out. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. 
shouting out. AJ actually duck out for a minute, but Glenn and Aaron still with you. And it, what an incredible weekend coming up next weekend as Nova Pro Wrestling is hosting the Commonwealth Cup weekend. And it is an unbelievable amount of both men's and women's matches over the course of the weekend at the Annandale Volunteer Fire Department, including Saturday. I cannot believe all of the talent on the women's side that's coming in. Chelsea Green's going to be in, Mia Yim, Rachel Ellering, and our next guest, who you've seen on Ring of Honor and with Impact over the years. And I didn't even know this. She's actually a lawyer. Holy freaking crap, she's amazing. It's a pleasure to welcome Veda Scott to Jobbing Out. Veda, it's Glenn and Aaron. It's so good to talk to you. Thank you so much for taking the time for us. Thank you. You're not really a lawyer, right? Like I, that's, I, I misread that. There's no way. No, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't currently practice because I'm full time. Uh, but no, I do go to. I graduated from law school. Oh, why would but you? Obviously, I don't. Uh, okay. I, I'm a little busy with other. Things sure, right sure, <laughs> Under, understandable. But why would anyone who could like make all the money that you could make as a lawyer say, you know what, I'm going to do instead? I'm going to go slam people for a living. <laughs> um, I was actually uh, a year into law school before I even started training uh, as a wrestler. So I was. I was kind of doing that first. Um, and, and wrestling came a bit later, and I've uh, stuck with the wrestling, I guess, <laughs> doing the wrestling for now. Well, when you're successful and very good at what you do, I guess I guess I can understand that. Yeah, so I um, I don't really have time to uh, have an office job at the moment, <laughs> but, but yes, that is true. Okay, real quick, what? before I let Aaron jump right. in, have you ever had like a friend in wrestling who's like needed some like legal advice, so you had to be like, hey, uh, I just got to tell you, I'm going to have to bill you if I talk to you about this. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, th- I'm sure it's the same for anyone who's like a nurse or a, any, and any sort of like profession that's very specialized, uh, physical therapist, whatever. I know, I've, I know I have friends who, who work in physical therapy who get this, get this a lot, too, where people just come to you with questions and you have to be like, uh, well, this is my opinion, but I can <laughs> recommend, uh, you know, I can refer you to someone who I think <laughs> could probably handle this. But yeah, I'm sure I, I'm sure everyone who's in any sort of like specialized profession or like a mechanic they get that all the time. Well, what was that like in law school having, you know, telling your friends, "Oh, no, I can't study with you this weekend. I have to go uh, I have to go train. I have a match to to go prepare for." Oh, they all knew. Um that was a thing that everyone was very aware of that I was um super busy all the time because I was I was training. And then eventually I was traveling and wrestling uh, constantly. So it was a lot of just like, if you need to find me, I was probably in the library uh, <laughs> super late at night because uh, I would have to go train and then come back um, and study later. So, yeah, I could be found at like strange hours around school. I got to imagine there was someone who didn't handle the decision well, like someone in your life, a family member, a friend, somebody like that, where you're like, yeah, I think I'm going to go wrestling full time and maybe put law to the side, and they were like, yeah, I disagree with that decision. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm sure there's some people who were like, didn't quite get it, only because, um, you know, what I was doing uh, in terms of, like, internships and just starting starting to work in terms of, like, my early work experience, I was I was really enjoying, and, and, I, and I do still enjoy, but um, everyone knows how much I love wrestling, too. And I've been super fortunate to be supported through a lot of things, but also... Um, I was kind of at a point where like it didn't it didn't really matter anymore, so I could just kind of like do what I wanted to do. But um, I do 
totally feel for people who maybe are starting out their their careers or or choosing to commit to to wrestling or, or theater or whatever you're doing, especially if it's something creative, um, and don't don't have the support, or at least if, even if they don't have the support, don't have um, like the freedom financially or or whatever to kind of just do what they want to do. All right, before we get into the Commonwealth Cup coming up. Uh, you got to take part in something pretty cool. I think it was this past weekend, the the gender reveal. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Oh, that was so rad. Um, it's one of the most fun things I've ever done in wrestling before. Uh, so essentially, uh, this was set up uh, before before the show that I also I also wrestled on the show itself uh, in a slightly more normal triple threat match. Uh, but the premise of this was that the, the promoter of the company is for, for um, Battle Club up in New York and New Jersey, really, really great company. Um, they were doing an all-women show, but before that, they wanted to do something um, a little special for the VIP early entry fans, um, which is becoming a more and more common thing. Uh, not only just a meet and greet, but to present a match for them. And the match they decided to present was me versus uh, a wrestler called Caveman. I believe he's out of House of Glory. Uh, really, also really, really talented, but a caveman. And uh, the <laughs> premise of the match was the promoter of the company uh, is have, and, and his partner are having a baby. And so she was there along with their family and, and, so, and a lot of wrestling fans too. And the whole deal was Caveman and I were wrestling and the winner of the match would reveal the gender of this baby. So rather than like balloon, like sometimes they'll have like a box with like pink or blue balloons in it, or like you open a cake and like the color of the M's come out. No, uh, I was representing it's a girl, caveman was it's a boy, and whoever won would be revealing if they were having a boy or a girl. And so it was a surprise for absolutely everyone. Um, and yeah, it was really, really fun. That's really cool. I mean, so it, I, and I saw how this whole thing un, uh, played out, and there's obviously like a lot of drama, right? Like, yes. this, it's one thing when yes. you, to take nothing away from you guys try to build drama in every match, right? But like, this is actual human drama that's involved, right? And you know, a lot of the people in the crowd were, were family members who aren't necessarily wrestling fans, but are very invested in this because you know there's it, actual like, <laughs> consequences to this match. So it was super fun. Um, and I was really happy to be asked to be a part of it and just kind of be trusted with this because, you know, a slightly, slightly more responsibility than a normal <laughs> wrestling match. If I screw this up, then, like, we have to explain it later. Uh, but, no, it was great. Um, honestly, I think that pro wrestling as just athletic theater is the way we need to look at it. Um, there are so many ways to do pro wrestling that don't even necessarily involve a wrestling ring or a traditional match structure. Like this, obviously, we were in a ring, but it was a very untraditional sort of match. Um, so anyone that ever wants is, is, you know, on the same wavelength with me and that. And maybe that wrestling doesn't have to be what we've always said what wrestling is that we can play with the ideas of that and there are no constraints, there's no, like, right or wrong, uh, I'm totally on board with that. So I was I was super, super happy to be part of this. I was really How good. tempted were you to have a dusty finish at the end? <laughs> so we, we, we also didn't know, um, we didn't know what the, what the gender was going to be until very, very late in the game. Um, so for us, it was also, like, a matter of, like, trying not to, like, give away the secret so that was that was fun uh and just like trying to make sure that like okay just so we're clear though like we can't screw this up like, <laughs> we, we can't someone accidentally this. gets counted out <laughs> yeah we had to be careful but um no it was really really fun and it was also for me also um again talking about like wrestling not necessarily having to be 
in a ring or, you know, any of the traditional rules. Like, you can always play with wrestling and you can play with different characters. Uh, putting on, or doing a wrestling match and, and competing in front of people who aren't necessarily pro wrestling fans, I think is a really fun challenge. And we had a bit of that, too. Because, again, you've got, you know, grandma and grandpa or auntie and uncle who aren't necessarily invested in it as pro wrestling, but you have to convey that story and convey the drama no, that's, that's awesome. That's and awesome. So I, that's, that's something that I think everyone should have the experience to play with. Veda Scott is with us again next weekend at the Annandale Volunteer Fire Department in Virginia. It is Nova Pro Wrestling, the incredible Commonwealth Cup weekend. Uh, the guys on Friday night and then the girls on Saturday. You can go to novaprowrestling.tumblr.com right now and uh, find out more about this unbelievable weekend. And, and Veda, I think that what's happening at Nova Pro speaks to, you know, so much has been made at the, the top level of wrestling about, uh, you know, the words like uh, women's revolution have been thrown around. But I think the impact of what has so changed in our industry can truly be felt uh, when you see an event like this next Saturday night, which is, this isn't, you know, uh, the WWE. This is going to the, the Annandale Fire Department and putting together an unbelievable card of women's wrestling that people are going to want to come out and check out. And I think it's so much of a testament as to what, how much things, I know they're not perfect, but how much things have truly changed as far as the women's wrestling world is beyond even the WWE. Right. Um, I absolutely love Nova. Um, it's one of my favorite favorite companies to work for. Um, whenever I'm available and whenever I'm in the States, you know, I will always be there. Uh, just what, what they've really done in, in terms of their mission of the talent that they use, I think is, I barely have to explain it. Like, you can look at any one of their cards normally of, of a show and just see what they do. So in this situation, they have the, the Men's Commonwealth Cup. They have a Women's Commonwealth Cup. Uh Generally, though, on, on your average Nova show, like, you know, an average Friday or Saturday night down in Annandale, you're going to have a show that features men and women. It's going to have multiple women's matches, which is some still a rarity in pro wrestling. They do intergender, and it's not, you know, it's not a whole thing. It's just another match. Um, their mission has always just been to put the best talent together to put on the best possible show for the fans. And it doesn't matter if it's male female, intergender, whatever, it's just it's just top level matches. So there's times where there might be four women's matches on a show. You know, there's there might be four women's matches in an intergender tag. They've done intergender main events. It's just it's not about what's a special attraction uh, at Nova. It's just about putting putting the best possible wrestling cards together and presenting the best possible matches for the fans. And the fans are super appreciative and super receptive of that too. Um, so the whole thing just Watching Nova evolve over time, I've been there since some of their earlier shows uh, and how they've just continued to just use more and more women to, to do intergender. Just every variety, like there's just such a variety of skills on every show. Uh, it's something I'm really proud to be a part of, uh, and so I'm super excited to be, to be in the Commonwealth Cup this year. And it's really cool. Uh, you you mentioned all the women coming in, but you've been a real cornerstone of of the women's division, if you will say. Your your feud with Faye Jackson has been going on seemingly forever. I remember a few months back, you had that great street fight with her, and it looks like it's still going on. You know, what's it been like just to be really a, a cornerstone of that? Well, right, like I said, um, I I try to just prioritize Nova as much as possible. Um, I've been I've been traveling uh, in and out of the U.S. a lot recently, um, so I've had to miss. A bunch of shows but whenever I'm here there's some place that I always want to be and so for me just watching things evolve watching the roster 
watching the roster change, but I shouldn't even say watching the roster change. I should say watching the roster grow. Um, because it just keeps getting better and better. Uh, that's something I'm just I'm really proud to be associated with. You reference the the number of intergender matches and the notion that they're just not a thing, right? Like they're just matches, and and I feel right. like go ahead. You can you can you dive a little bit more into that? Yeah. Um, again, Nova, and there are other promotions that are doing this as well, and um, I I just I couldn't be happier about it. Where it's you know if it's a, it looks like the, the best match is going to be a woman versus a woman, then that's what's put out there. Um, if it seems like, oh, man, it'd be awesome to see, uh, you know, this woman fight this man, they'll, they'll put that out there. And a lot more places are doing that. It has to do with putting the best combinations or potentially the most entertaining combinations of athletes together. Or if there's a story developing, how can we tell stories that aren't necessarily restricted by gender? Um, and I, I think the more, the more freedom that's given to that, uh, the better the better that wrestling can be. I can't argue yeah. with any of that. Yeah. Do, do you have, when you go into a match with a man versus a, against a woman, is there anything that you have to keep in mind, do a little bit differently? Just what, what's it like to be a woman who's willing to uh, wrestle both sides? Um, so for me, it's, it's always just wrestling. And, you know, there's there's different considerations to take into any any match. Uh, for me, a lot of times it's my size because I'm, I'm smaller than most people. Uh, but I'm especially smaller than, than most of the men that I wrestle. I'm considerably <laughs> smaller. So that, to me, is always a factor. Uh, but there are definitely other other factors involved. Uh, again, size, speed, strength, everything. Yeah, clearly all of those things. Do you feel like we're getting to a point where, at every level, it's not going to be a thing that much longer? Like, are we close to a place where... Like, that's going to be sort of industry standard, that nobody's going to care, that it's going to make sense for, for women to wrestle men everywhere that you go when you go to a pro wrestling show. I mean, I think, I think there's, there's aspects of that that definitely can, can happen. Um, I don't know. Like, WWE has such a wide-reaching audience that I don't, I don't – I'm not necessarily in touch with who all of their fans are all the time um, because I watch it and enjoy it and love it. But I know that they have such a huge fan base that I'm sure there's – there's enough people who are completely against intergender wrestling just on, on the independent level. Uh, I'm sure that's probably a pretty vehement sentiment in a lot of the, the pockets of fans. WWE, I don't know how much of a consideration that is or not, but I think it's definitely, it's definitely possible. I mean, obviously, the, the caliber of athlete they have right now uh, can compete against anybody. Um, you know, Impact uh, has a tradition of at least sometimes a year doing intergender uh, in terms of like their wild card tournaments and things like that. So you've seen that. Um, I think it's, I think there's always like that, that possibility is there. Um, and it's kind of, kind of sometimes a matter of like testing the waters and seeing, you know, how, how do fans react? Do we care how fans react? Um, is it, is it some like, are people on board with presenting this? But um, as long as there are people who are willing to just kind of, kind of like take that step, um, I don't see why it wouldn't progress. What, what's your response to people who do strongly dislike intergender wrestling, whether it's because they, they don't like the visual of a man hitting a woman or if it's they, they don't feel it's realistic enough? What, or what's if your response Or if they're just flat-out sexist. Well, yes. Or um, yeah. So, well, yeah, there's a bunch of different considerations there. Like, if they're just flat-out sexist, then, like, there's no, there's no convincing you and, and you're not my audience <laughs> um, at that point. And I, I kind of... I, I kind of feel that way in general, too. Um, I know a lot of people spend a lot, a lot of time and energy just trying to convince people that, like, this is something you're going to enjoy. Like, you have to accept this. And I'm just, for me, it's like, you need to check it out. 
Uh, if it's not something that you can get behind, I'm probably not going to convince you because your reasons are probably ones that are stupid. Um, not, and I'm not saying that 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 I'm not saying that being uncomfortable with the visual of a man uh, and violence from a man to a woman is a bad idea. Of course not. However, I think also you're you're removing that from what professional wrestling is and what we acknowledge it to be right now, which is athletic theater. Um, and telling telling a story, and there there are ways to tell stories that are not um, evocative of uh, domestic violence or whatever whatever the, the like the particular issue is, um, and that's that's something that the performers too, you know, you can go low in intergender, you can, uh, and there's there is that, and people do that, and I don't necessarily agree with that either, um, but for me, it's just it's just another it's another challenge to a performance, it's another wrinkle. To, to the match and uh, I think that's, that's probably the way you need to look at it but like I said uh, a lot of times if someone is just completely just like dug their heels in against intergender wrestling uh, their reasons are probably more ingrained than just like uh, it's not realistic it's probably something pretty sexist and yeah. I'm yeah. not going to be able to convince them otherwise I totally get that before we let you go Vader do, Performers, um, male performers, how have they handled it? Like, do you still deal with any issues there, or is again, or, or is this 2018 and male performers like get it and 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 understand and 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 bust their asses in order to deliver exactly the same thing that you're trying to deliver? I mean, I I don't personally like I that's not an issue that I I run into you know anywhere in the world. I'm sure people do though, um, so I can't I can't speak. For every woman sure. in wrestling or every every man who's ever, like, had an issue with an intergender match, I can't speak for that. I personally don't have that issue, and it's because I tend to I tend to try to work for and work with people who are kind of vibing on the same thing that I am in terms of wrestling and who see it as, you know, you just you want to have matches with the most interesting and best talent possible. And male or female, that doesn't matter to me. You know, it's if I think that I'm going to have a fun match, an entertaining match, a good match with someone, then it doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman. It just matters that, you know, they, they work in that particular, they work in, I, I would want to wrestle them. Yeah. Um, and it's something that we can do to like put something out there for a crowd uh, and challenge each other. Like a challenge, I think is kind of what I'm always after in wrestling. And so I try to associate myself with people who feel the same way. So if you're someone who is, is into challenging yourself into to changing perception and to just kind of like doing something a little bit different, then we're probably going to get along anyway. You probably don't have an issue with intergender wrestling. You know, before I, I said I would give you one more, but it, it, when you sure. bring that up, give me the chance. What's the challenge for you? Because you've been doing this for a while and you've done so much as a performer. What's the challenge that's still out there for you? Like, what's the thing that you still want to accomplish or tackle as a performer that you haven't been able to yet? Oh, um, gosh, like, I don't. I don't have a set goal. Like, I don't have anywhere that I particularly want to be necessarily. I mean, I wouldn't. Uh, to be completely honest, I wouldn't mind um, being in Japan full time. It's it's my favorite place to be cool. in the world, my favorite place to wrestle. But uh, beyond that, I don't. I don't have necessarily like a, a goal to be in X promotion or on this television show or like I I wanted whatever. Uh, for me, it's more just this idea of I want to keep having fun, and if it's not fun, I I don't want to do it anymore. I want to just kind of what we talked about before just push push against like what wrestling has been and what it can be and just and just try to to work with that 
I mean, that's the reason. Like, why would why would any of us be doing any of this if it wasn't fun, right? Like, what the yeah. heck? This is pro wrestling we're talking about. For God's sakes, let's have some damn fun. She's Veda Scott. She's always fun, and it's going to be a really fun weekend next weekend in Annandale for the Commonwealth Cup with uh, Nova Pro Wrestling. Again, novaprowrestling.tumblr.com to find out more. The men on Friday, the women on Saturday. And then, uh, Veda, what can we plug for you? Social media, website, T-shirts, anything like that. Uh, gosh. Oh, and for Nova, too, they have a really, really active Twitter account. So I'm sure you'll link that um, yep. when you put the, the Ab- interview up. Absolutely. Uh, so definitely check out their Twitter. Uh, my Twitter is at It's Veda Time. And that's, uh, that's definitely where I'm the most active with things. So if you need to get in touch with me or want to see my upcoming appearances, um, I, I kind of put everything on my Twitter. I have an Instagram as well, but it's linked off my Twitter. So it's my Twitter is where to go for me. Uh, and for through there, you can purchase T-shirts or photos or whatever you want. And it's at VA Wrestling on Twitter, again, for Nova Pro as well. I believe so, so yeah. Yep, give, give them a follow there. Hey, Veda, this was a lot of fun. We really appreciate you taking the time for us. Looking forward to seeing you next weekend, and we'd love to do this again down the road. Thank you. Great stuff. Appreciate Veda Scott joining us. And, again, get down to a Nova Pro next weekend to check out the Commonwealth Cup. There's Adrian, some crazy matches, both men it and is really, women. It is really he- amazing how loaded the cards are. PCO versus Nick Gage, by the way, for anyone who likes the oh my god, someone's going to die style of wrestling, yeah, you might want to catch that match on Friday night. It's cool. And then, uh, as I mentioned, the women loaded, just just loaded with uh, incredible performers. So, um, yeah, make sure you uh, you check that out next weekend, uh, Nova Pro and the Commonwealth Cup. All right, um, so AJ's back, and we're going to dive into what we promised we would do last week. Last week we gave you our championship matches that we would be pointed towards for SummerSlam. This week we're going to give you five other matches that we would have on the card. So we're going to do this top five style. As remember, Eric Bischoff is still going to join us in segment number three. So we're going to do this top five style, the top five other matches that we would have on our card. So I guess let's start, AJ, before you you know give us your number five, remind everybody what your two championship matches were and then we'll sort of go around the table and talk about it. And, again, just keep in mind, we, these are matches we want, but we also have to be able to get there within reality, right? Like, we have to use, mm-hmm. what, use what we've had up till this point. We're taking over now. We're being handed booking responsibilities, but we can't change anything that's occurred so far. We've just got to guide the ships in from this point in order to get to SummerSlam. So, AJ, remind everybody of your championship matches, and then let's talk about your other five. All right, so my championship matches. Uh, in SmackDown, I had Daniel Bryan versus Shinsuke Nakamura. I believe that Shinsuke Nakamura is going to win the last man standing match and become the WWE champion. Um, AJ Styles will go and get involved with something with the club now that they're back and they're getting this big push. Um, and Daniel Bryan will rear his ugly head around to steal the title from Shinsuke Nakamura at SummerSlam. But on Raw, I also have the idea that Seth Rollins is on a rocket and Roman Reigns is Roman Reigns, and Brock Lesnar is still champion, so I have them in a triple threat match. Yep. All right, now, you're number five. Uh, my number five. Uh, I think that this is going to make a lot of people low-key bad, but I think it's going to be fantastic for both of them. I have Elias versus Braun Strowman for the Intercontinental title. Uh, I mean, I'm still really pissed off that we didn't get Elias, Braun Strowman together <laughs> at WrestleMania and forever <laughs> yeah. in Buddy Cop yeah, movies. I- Here's what I think is going to happen. I think Elias is going to be the one that takes the Intercontinental title from Seth so he can get into the main event match. Um, And then, after Elias has taken the Intercontinental title from Seth, he's going to run through a lot of people. 
and really quickly. He's going to, and everybody's going to be talking about how sweet Elias is. And the whole time, Braun Strowman's going to be continuing to destroy everything in front of him ever. Uh, and then you build to a point where it's Elias, uh, Elias as this champion that's been wrecking shop and talking so much trash while doing so, having to face the monster among men and being eaten alive. Okay. All right. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, all, I'm all right with all of that. I'm all right with all of it. Uh, Aaron, go ahead. You're number four. Or number, uh, sorry, remind everybody. First, my number, number five, and remind everybody your championship matches first. Yeah, my, my championship matches I had on Raw, I had uh, Brock versus Braun in a singles match, and I had AJ versus Joe for SmackDown. All right. So because I have AJ versus Joe, um, that means I, I have AJ either winning here at Money in the Bank or they do have a blow-off match at uh, Extreme Rules, and, I, and, Shins, and AJ comes away with the title. But I do want something for Shinsuke to do, something meaningful, something to try to make it so he doesn't start floundering. So at SummerSlam, I think this makes all the sense in the world. You put him with Jeff Hardy in the, for the U.S. title. I think it makes perfect sense to have Hardy carry the title till then. He's still getting pops. He's still exciting. But that's a good place for Shinsuke to win his first bit of gold on the main roster, win something that's, you know, hypothetically, it should be pretty exciting for if. He, Hardy's on a four or five month run there. Right. You win it there. It's meaningful. You get an exciting match out of it. And then you go forward with uh, Shinsuke as your heel U.S. champion. I mean, I like that. Look, I, my number five was Shinsuke Daniel Bryan, which, you know, AJ's already covered. Um, it's just that AJ has it for the title because I've got AJ Joe for the title. And by the way, my reminder, mine's AJ Joe on SmackDown. And on Raw, I've got a triple threat between Braun, Roman, and Brock. Um, then I'm left with this sort of picture where, you know, I, I, I think this is very logical. I think that, that Shinsuke Bryan feels very big. Um, it feels like something that matters for both of them. It's sort of a dream match type of scenario. I still want to get it, and I can still make it happen without it having to be for the title. So my number five, very simply, Shinsuke and Daniel Bryan. AJ, your number four. Uh, my number four is the New Day versus the Bludgeon Brothers for the tag team title. All right. I mean, you know, I... There is a bit of a the Bludgeon Brothers kind of run through everybody thing, right? It, is there a need for somebody else, and that seems what they're doing right now at the club? But is there a need for somebody else to be created in order to? I I, I don't know where we're at with just giving them another chance after they already had chances. Oh, we're talking about SummerSlam, though. That's true. I mean, that's true. I, I'm th- I'm I'm thinking that over the next. You have the New Day, who's always red hot. They're still red hot. You have, like you said, you're going to have a big big spot for them in the Money in the Bank match. That's going to lead to a bigger push. Um, if you remember correctly, they never really got a one-on-one match with the Bludgeon Brothers for the tag team titles. It's true. It's always been against the Usos. Um, so what you also have built in is the fact that the Bludgeon Brothers are just going to keep fucking people up until SummerSlam. Yeah, that's what they're gonna do. Correct. That's who they're gonna be. <laughs> and and then all of a sudden, there's another contender. Oh, somebody that hasn't faced them in a while, hasn't been run through. Okay. Oh, new day. Yeah, we're still. Here. Yeah, right. We're still here. I hear you. I hear you. I, I'm, I'm with it. I'm with it. All right, AJ. Or uh, sorry, Aaron. You're number four. Um. Well, I'm gonna move this number four because you just brought up the new day. I have the new day as number four, and. This match comes out of my thought process of there's something we're missing on SmackDown right now. Something they're teasing that we haven't gotten the answer to yet. 
And where's Sanity coming in on this? They're showing all of those highlights. They're showing the packages. They're not here yet. What if Sanity costs Big E at Money in the Bank and starts a feud between the New Day and Sanity? And that's what we get at SummerSlam. A three-on-three Sanity versus the New Day. I mean, I got no beef with Ooh, that. That'll that would work. be sick. Yeah, that'll work. I'm, I'm good with all that. Uh, for my number four, I, I gotta I gotta make a disclaimer here. I left two matches that I've talked about enough off of my list because I've spent too much time talking about them and they would make the list boring. I would like to get a blow off between Sasha Banks and Bailey at some point. Like that would make me very yeah. happy if we could get that. But, right. but come on, how can you reasonably how can you reasonably say the WWE is gonna do that when they show no interest I, in I, doing I it? I understand fully, but I left it off my list because like I just I, I I've only I've talked about it so much that why are we gonna continue to talk about it? Right. So I didn't put it on my list. I also didn't put the potential four horsewomen, four horsewomen match on my list because, again, I've talked about it before. I don't need to continue talking about it. I think now that they're all in the mix, it would make a lot of sense. You have this path where none of them have titles. You could pull it off. You can make it relevant. It would all, you know, you could do all of it. I guess you could make the argument that what you're worried about is that Ronda's horsewomen aren't quite ready yet for that type of match at SummerSlam, and that's fine. That might be the reason why it doesn't happen. But those two matches I left off my list altogether. Instead, the women's match that I'll give you is Nia Jax Ember Moon. Um, it's fresh. It's for a championship in that scenario. It's it's something a little bit different. Ember's amazing, and I think has nowhere to go but up. It's something that would feel, I think, really fun in that moment. Is that everybody could embrace Ember against somebody? I guess that we're assuming is just going to be a heel moving forward in Nia Jax. So Ember Nia is uh, the the women's match that I did include as my number four. Uh, my number three is also a women's match, uh, but it is Ronda Rousey versus Natalia. Okay. And I think the easiest way to get there is you have Natalia lose the Money in the Bank, be distraught backstage talking to Ronda before her match, and you know being mad about she's not getting an opportunity. And then she's seeing this girl go out there and get a title shot. Uh, she hasn't even been there that long. And then she decides to go out and acts like she's going to help Ronda, but ends up helping Nia. And that's how you start the feud, and you pay it off at SummerSlam. Goodbye, all of it. That all works for me. Again, it, it wouldn't work if you're doing the horsewomen, horsewomen. But otherwise, it, it really works. Uh, yep. Your number three? My number three, uh, I want the Raw Tag division to get back on track. Uh, you know, it's... It, you have Bray and Matt doing their own thing. You have the B team doing their thing, but there's no real direction. It seems like right now, I mean, they're making the revival into, into comedy segments. Not good. Yeah. Um, but there is a team I feel like that can put everything at least somewhat back on track. Is that American alpha? No, it's not American alpha. I, I, I think American <laughs> alpha would be perfect for it, by the way. That, is it that, the they'd be good. And you know what? I would, um, I would actually approve of them facing this team. That I'm going to say, I want to see uh, Matt and Bray get knocked off by the team of uh, Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler. It is uh, quite the team. Uh, unfortunately, I've got them involved, or I got one of them involved with something else, so I can't include them on my list. Uh, but I hear you. I actually have uh, Drew versus Seth as my number three for uh, for the belt. I think that you continue to build Drew up as a powerhouse over the course of the next couple of weeks, and I think that creates a a really good, exciting title match with Seth as sort of this dominant champion, but but McIntyre looking like a truly threatening opponent. Uh, it's a very clear heel versus a very clear face. 
I, when I said it in my head, I was like, I don't, I mean, you haven't done anything to get there, but you got two months to get there, and you don't have to try all that hard because Seth is supposed to sort of be a hero right now on this program. He's a hero, and Drew is looking awesome. So Correct. you don't have, yeah, you're right. Correct. You don't have to try that. So hard. I think that would work really well as a title match. So I'm going to go with uh, Drew and Seth as my number three. Uh, AJ, your number two. Uh, my number two is really just a, I don't, I really, it's just a match that I think would be really cool to see. Um, I want to see the Miz versus AJ Styles. Uh, you have AJ Styles lose the belt. You have the Miz need something to do. Um, he works with, um, AJ Styles works with the club for a little while, gets involved in something that gets him on Miz TV. And you set it off from there, and you have a match that everyone in the crowd will absolutely love and be waiting for. Uh, and it's a very clear heel versus a very clear face. You're not wrong. You're yep. not wrong about any of it. Um, I, AJ, or, saying, Aaron, if you don't mind, I'm going to step in here. Go for it. Because mine is Ms. Rusev. That's my number two. Ms. Rusev fits all of that bill, and I can't have AJ in a match because I already got in my championship match. Ms. Rusev fits all of that. You're telling me right now that if you didn't find out it was Ms. Rusev at SummerSlam, that wouldn't be larger than fucking life? It wouldn't just feel like the big bring-the-house-down type of match that you'd be asking for? The crowd would be wildly into it. Now, you'd actually have to address the fact that Rusev is a face! <laughs> and Miz is a good guy to do that against. Correct! That would be a way, really good way to do that. To me, it's perfection. Ms. Rusev is number two on my list. And I, it could potentially be... You know what I mean? Like I, you know, I, look, I like Jeff Hardy and all, but I wouldn't care if you had him drop the belt to anybody in the process and made that for um, for the title instead, um, because I just don't. I don't think there's. I only think there's so much that you can get out of Jeff Hardy with the belt. I just there's not a whole lot there. Um, so I'd, I'd like it a lot if there was a belt at stake as well. But Ms. Rusev in general smells to me like that sort of fun. Holy shit, we're doing this, and everybody's into it. Match. It's why it's my number two. Hey, I like it. You kind like of stepped on my number one there. Oh. A little bit. All right. A little bit. All right. We'll get back Should, to that. All right. Let me, let me give my number two real quick. And it's pretty much, I have Roman out of the title picture, so I need Roman to do something that feels relatively big. So I came up with this. Uh, I want Seth Rollins to be involved with Roman Reigns. And I think Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn deserve something big. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have a tag match between Rollins and Roman against Owens and Zayn. The winner of the fall becomes Intercontinental Champion. So you get, a, I, I always love those matches because it gives that, you know, without doing the straight Fatal 4-Way, it gives the dynamic almost of a Fatal 4-Way right. while acknowledging, yeah, these guys are probably going to uh, to be together. I like those storylines. I think it's a fun match. And I think Owens and Rollins, uh, Owens and Zayn against Roman and Rollins feels like at least almost a big enough reason to leave Roman out of the it title. Feels, it feels like match of the year is what it feels well, like. Yes. It certainly could be that good. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> All right, because we've got to rotate back so AJ can go last, uh, I will go ahead and give you my number one. I have flirted with this one before. I've thrown it out there. It's not as easy to get to at this point. And, again, I've already kind of explained why it can't happen because I addressed the four horsewomen thing. Um, but I would really love for it to be Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn versus Kurt Angle and Ronda Rousey. I think that would be an amazing, amazing moment. I think it would be huge. I think it would be massive. It's not that hard to get back to. It's not that hard for Kevin Owens to feel as though he was robbed somehow and hate Kurt Angle again. It would get Kurt Angle and Ronda Rousey together again, which works. And this is kind of a perfect 
it it would feel it would be a conversation starter. Hey, we're doing this. We're doing an intergender match at SummerSlam, but it's a logical intergender match. You've had Ronda Rousey look like a hoss against Triple H already. Why couldn't she be in a match like this? I think it would be bigger than life. Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn versus Kurt Angle and Ronda Rousey. That's number one on my list. Aaron. Nice. Uh, this stems from a segment we saw on SmackDown, which we actually didn't discuss that much, but because we can discuss it later. Um, I loved the segment with Andrade Almas, and especially yes. Selena Vega's mm-hmm. uh, work in that. Yes. Um, and I thought, okay, what can we get from this outside of one or two matches with uh, with Kalisa there? What can we get out of this match? And then it hit me. You do this, and you have Almas not just say, I, I don't care about you, even though we're, you know we were friends in the past. I don't care about Mexican wrestling, even though that was what got me here. That's what I became known for before getting to WWE. Who's going to step up for that? Rey Mysterio. I want to see Andrade Almas versus Rey Mysterio at SummerSlam. I mean, that would be sick. It would be great. It'd be great. Um, I don't know where Mysterio is. Like I, you know, I don't know how that works. He's, but. I mean, he's he's doing the one match for New Japan, but he's you know he's constantly commenting on WWE. We saw him at the you know the Royal Rumble and the Greatest Royal Rumble. He actually he he had a post about yes, how he's was like, he is he oh, going to be at the greatest the LWO, but uh, we stepped on each other. Damn it! That's what happens when we're not in studio together. All right, I know I hear you. I hear you. Um, you know I like it. I like it. All right, and uh, AJ, I would be all in. Yep. Yeah. You're number one? Well, no, they couldn't do that at all in because it's a WWE match. So. Oh, that's true. That's very true. Um, my number one, I just saved it for number one because it is Rusev Day. Um, so I wanted to show the respect Rusev deserves. That's a good point. Uh, um, but I think that there's one other person on SmackDown that um, everybody absolutely hates. Uh, Kurt Hawkins? <laughs> Kurt Hawkins is on Raw, isn't it? Or is he back on SmackDown? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's not on either one of them. <laughs> Who is it? I'm waiting for you to guess. Oh, Big Cass. Yeah. Big Cass. Big Cass is going to win the inter- I mean, the United States title from Jeff Hardy because they're pushing Big Cass, and what the fuck are they doing with Jeff Hardy? Right, right. We've addressed that. Um, and somebody has to be able to knock down this big, annoying champion. Who better than face Rusev himself in the flesh? Man, I'm with it. I, I got no problem with it whatsoever. I just, I'm just so lukewarm on Big Cass at all that you know what I mean. Like it's it's hard for me to, to campaign for it. But yeah, he's he's working. If you if you're in on him as a heel, it is a good direction, and I'm I'm with it. All right, so <laughs> that's that. Boy, you can tell how all that worked. All right, very good. Those are our uh, matches. That's, uh, that's our booking for SummerSlam. When we come back in, the great Eric Bischoff will join us. That's next. I'm Glenn. He's Aaron, and he's the main event. AJ Francis, this is Jobbing Out. Don't miss the action at Royal Farms Arena when your Baltimore Brigade takes the field Friday, June 15th against the Washington Valor. Enjoy fun for the whole family, including our post-game field party when you can meet the entire Brigade team. Get yourself in the game for as low as $14 when you visit BaltimoreBrigade.com today. I'm back, and I'm better than ever. Better for me. 
Back in here for segment number three of Jobbing Out. Glenn Clark, Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone. And, of course, the main event. A.J. Francis of the New York Football Giants. Well, our next guest really doesn't need an introduction. We'll give one to him anyway because that's the way we do things. But, by God, you know damn well who Eric Bischoff is. Most recently, he's become a podcaster, and he's partnered up with Westwood One. 83 weeks with Eric Bischoff and Conrad Thompson has moved up all the way to number two on Apple's top podcast chart. He's killing it because his stories are unbelievable And he's the one to tell them. He's perfect for the storytelling genre. He is, of course, the great Eric Bischoff, and he joins us now here on Jobbing Out. Eric, it's so good to talk to you, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us. I'm really happy to be here. It's great to be with you guys. Thank Uh, you very much. If I had told you at the height of WCW's popularity that down the road, maybe 20 years, you'd be a podcaster and you would be telling stories on the Internet you would have said to me, what exactly? I would have given you a card to a good friend of mine has, who has a chain of rehab clinics around the country. <laughs> <laughs> you, getting into this, obviously, look, what we, don't, we didn't know then what the podcast world was going to become uh, and why this is such a viable uh, you know, concept now, years later. But as you got into this world, you had to clearly think about, like, Am I going to tell all these stories? I know a lot of things about a lot of people, and I don't know if everybody wants every story out there. Like, how much did you think about that as you made this transition to the world of podcasting? You know, that's a great question, and I I did give it a lot of thought, only because, not because it was, you know, I I was afraid to tell my stories or I was afraid to reveal them or anything like that, Um, but I just didn't really think there was as much of an appetite for them as clearly there is, and I should have known better because I know the wrestling audience pretty well and wrestling fans are much like, you know, the New York Giants football fans or NASCAR fans, or baseball fans, you know, they love the legacy of the business and the history of the business or the, the sport as much as they love watching it on television sometimes, sometimes more, at least in the case of wrestling fans. Um, so I, I guess I underestimated how interesting it would be for the fans and I'm very grateful, <laughs> quite honestly. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty exciting. That's to me. awesome. I'm relevant again. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here's the it's only crazy. issue. Yo, go ahead, AJ. That's all right. Go ahead. It, it, it's crazy because, um, you know, we do this podcast and we obviously love talking about all these stories, but it's amazing how long you can, not you, but in general, when you really start getting down the rabbit hole of wrestling things, you can talk about it forever. And that's what really makes these wrestling podcasts dope. But, um, the question I always wanted to ask you personally is, what did it feel like to have Vince McMahon on the ropes? It's a great question, AJ, and it's it's uh, it was almost surreal. And and I look back at it now, and I feel differently about it than I certainly did then, because as it was happening in real time, to me, I just felt like it was destiny, and I was on a mission and it validated some of the things that I, I believed in, you know, creatively and strategically in terms of the wrestling business. So when it was happening, it was kind of like, hell yeah, I knew this <laughs> was supposed to happen. But now looking back on it 20 some odd years later, it's like, wow, that really was a fascinating time. I didn't, in short, I didn't appreciate it then as much as I do now, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, for sure. 
you know, as as you're transitioning into podcasts, we shouldn't be surprised by this from the guy who wrote Controversy Creates Cash. But uh, your your first first few episodes have created a lot of controversy. Did you realize just how uh, contentious uh, your podcast would be when you were starting? I did because I know, you know, I had met Conrad Thompson, you know, a year ago, you know, long before I agreed to do a, a podcast with him. I knew his style. He actually invited me to his home in Huntsville for a very, you know, private, you know, Q&A session with him and six or eight of his friends that flew in from all over the country. And they basically all signed NDAs and, and swore on their, their lives, you know, that what was said there, you know, never left that room because they really wanted me to dig in and, and tell the real story. And I was reluctant to do it because it's, you know, part of the legacy of the business and the history of the business is you don't expose things. So it was hard for me to do it, but I agreed. And after I got about six or eight beers into this thing, <laughs> real hard questions started coming. And I knew what Conrad's style would be. So I knew he was going to you know, beat me about my head until I gave him the information that he wanted once we started doing the podcast. But I also knew that that's what the audience wanted. That's why Conrad does such a great job. He's got another show with a good friend of mine, you know, Bruce Pritchard. Yep. And that show is the number one wrestling podcast in the world. But it's because of Conrad's style not taking anything away from Bruce Pritchard or myself, but really Conrad is the guy that is pulling things out of us that we reluctantly, we know we're, we know what we're, our roles are when we agree to do it, but it's still hard. And Conrad just doesn't take an easy answer. He digs and he digs and he digs like a good prosecuting attorney would until he gets the answer that he, that he feels is the, the answer as true as it can be. 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff is available in the Westwood One Podcast Network. You can go to westwoodonepodcast.com. Eric Bischoff is with us here on Jobbing Out. So here's my only issue with Eric Bischoff, the podcaster, is that how do I get the Eric Bischoff cocky smile when I'm listening to a podcast? And to me, it is the quintessential look in all of pro wrestling (laughs) is that goddamn cocky smile that you have that would just drive everyone effing insane when we would see it from you. Can you take me to where that came from and when you knew, like, oh, I'm on to something with just this simple look? When I first broke into the wrestling business, um, little known fact, I had been a male model. And I looked like, you know, your local weatherman. (laughs) 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 Weatherman. My hair was my hair was perfect. I had that. I, I, I looked like a TV weatherman. I can't think of a better way to say it. And one of the one of the wrestlers that I was working with at the time, right when I first started, um, referred to me as a Ken doll because, in his opinion, I looked like a Ken doll. So I knew I had this certain look, and I, I was born with it. I didn't work on it. It's not a talent. <laughs> you know, it is what it is, right? But I thought, you know, I I know people hate me because of the way I look, so I'm just going to turn up the volume on that. So when I started walking out with Hulk Hogan and playing off that whole Ken doll kind of um, character that I had become known to be by that point, I just pointed to my dimples and smiled as cheesily as I could into the camera and just, you know, angered fans even more. It was awesome. God, it, I just That's I just awesome. wanted to punch you all the time. <laughs> a lot of people did. I'm sure AJ did too. Thank God he never met. No, for sure. No, what was crazy is like during that time, I, I'll be honest, I was more of a WWF guy than when I was a kid just because I liked The Rock and I didn't care. The Rock wasn't on WCW, so when The Rock was on, I was watching The Rock. But 
one of the biggest, not one of the the biggest star that you helped make out of, that was outside of the NWO was Goldberg. How right. early on into like his run did you realize, yo, we really got something? Really early. Like, you know, I met Bill, and I can't remember what year it was. I'm going to say 97, possibly uh, late 96. I met Bill. He just, uh, you know, he had an injury playing for the Falcons. He's a local Atlanta guy. He, he was friends with a couple of the guys that worked for me in wrestling at the time, Sting and Lex Luger and a couple of the other guys who introduced me to him. And I met him, and obviously he's, you know, physically very impressive. Didn't really get a chance to know his personality in the first meeting or two. Eventually hired him, and about a month after he was down, we had a training facility called the Power Plant, where we would take guys like Bill and start introducing him to the basics and things. And I remember Jody Hamilton was the guy running the Power Plant at the time, called me and said, Eric, you need to come down here and take a look at Bill. And I did, and everybody in the Power Plant was looking at him like, oh, my God, <laughs> we've got lightning in the bottle here. <laughs> And, and his intensity was so amazing. And what's really interesting about, about Bill is we literally, you know, it takes four, five, six, seven years for a, a wrestler to really get good enough at his craft to put him out there on television and have a reasonable chance of success. You know, when you look at guys like Stone Cold Steve Austin, he didn't really become much of a hit until after he'd been in the business for 12 or 15 years. It takes a long time. It's not easy. And we decided early on to take a chance on Bill and throw him out, you know, to the wolves, so to speak, on television after really only training for about six months or wow. seven months. And all you had to do, all I did, quite honestly, it was very easy. You know, any idiot could have figured it out, is I would sit out in the audience or near the audience and I would just watch the audience's reaction. When Bill Goldberg came through the curtains and came out into the ring, like I said, you, you, you'd have to be completely unaware of the audience to not feel the energy that he created. And once he started creating that energy, we just decided, let's just put him on a rocket and see how far we can fly him. And he, he took off with us, and he flew. <laughs> he, he went all the way, for sure. <laughs> You know, one of the great wrestling what-ifs is what if you had succeeded in buying WCW in 2001 and WWF never comes in? Do, do you ever go back and think about it, and, and what are your thoughts of it, you know, nearly 20 years later? You know, I don't think about it, and I know that it's going to sound like a cop-out way to answer that question, but it's a hypothetical, you know, and I, I try to not to live my life in a what-if um, frame of mind because you could drive yourself, you know, bat crap crazy if you do. Um, so I don't think about it. You know, I, I choose to believe that things turned out exactly the way they were supposed to happen. Um, I ended up having a really good run with the WWE as a result of everything that, you know, that went down. I spent four or five years there. I never thought that was going to happen. Hmm. And I had a blast doing it. And it was a way for me, quite honestly, to end my career on a very high note as, as a character in WWE because I didn't have the pressure of running the business and competing against a guy like Vince McMahon. All I had to do was show up, you know, look at my script, try to understand my character and my role, and do the best job that I could as a performer. And at that stage of my life, um, that was a great opportunity for me, and I was, to this day, really grateful that I had it. Because now when I look back, 
instead of saying, well, what if I would have been able to, you know, purchase WCW? What if this would have happened? What if that would have happened? You, you never know. I could have bought it. It could have collapsed six months later. You never know. But what I do know is that, you know, it didn't happen. But what did happen is something that I look back on very favorably. So it's a long-winded way to answer the question, but it's the truth. 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff is the podcast. Eric Bischoff is with us here on Jobbing Out. Uh, Eric, right now I think we talk about WCW and we talk about competition, and there has sort of lacked that competition in the professional wrestling industry since that time. And competition exists at lower levels and has proven to be good, right? The WWE created NXT out of you know a competition factor with, with indie promotions, and that's created a good product. A lot of people have talked about All In and what wrestlers are now doing on their own and creating an event and have wondered if maybe at some point that could foster something bigger than what has existed. And I don't know if it'll ever get to a point where it competes with WWE because, my God, WWE's got you know a 50 years head start on everybody else. But could you envision a world in the future where there is competition again for the WWE at some point? just considering how good we know competition to be, not just in pro wrestling, but in every aspect of business? That's a really good question. And to answer, the short answer is absolutely I believe there can be. And the reason I believe it is all, all you have to do is, is step back and look at the music industry and look where the music industry was 25 years ago, 20 years ago before peer-to-peer file sharing and before digital and before iTunes, before YouTube. In, in order to become successful in the music business, you had to play the political game. You had to, as a musician, and I'm not one, so I'm not speaking from direct knowledge, but I, I study it. You know, if you were a musician back in that day, you had to, you had to play the, the, the record label game, right? There was no way around it. But then all of a sudden, this thing called peer-to-peer file sharing came along, which eventually became iTunes and digital music and ways for people who are independent artists to get their, their content out there to, to the consumer. And they didn't have to go through the record label paradigm, if you will. And that changed everything. And now there are independent musicians that are out there making a ton of money and touring that don't have a label because they're independent. The same is true for the independent movie business. 25, 30 years ago, that business didn't exist. Right now, the independent scene in the movie industry is extremely critical, particularly now when you have Netflix and Hulu and and Amazon Prime and all these different other streaming platforms that allows an independent artist, whether you're a musician, whether you're an actor or actress or movie writer or director, or whether you're a professional wrestler, and a professional wrestling promoter, it allows you to expose your content, like we're seeing now with All In, in a way that's meaningful. And here's the magic that makes me so excited about where we're at today. The audience, much like with with music, the wrestling fan is now looking at the independent scene as the cool place to shop. They no longer want to go to Macy's, which is the WWE, the big box retailer, the big brand. They want to go to that really cool boutique shop because their stuff's got an edge and it's different. And the more we see of it and the more opportunities that are out there because of streaming and and the accessibility to millions of people around the world that didn't exist before, the more of an opportunity there is for wrestling promoters, people like me, 
you know, wrestling talent to all of a sudden say, hey, I'm going to try this little thing in Chicago. I'm going to call it all in, and we're going to see what's going to happen. And, oh, by the way, they sold out in 29 minutes and 34 yeah. seconds. They sold out 10,000 tickets. It's just awesome. And it's because of the time that we're in. Streaming is going to make it possible for people to compete at a level that no one would have dreamt about five years ago. Well, you're talking about how the independent scene and we need more independence. I'm willing right now to make a new independent wrestling promotion with you if you are. (laughs) (laughs) We may have to have a follow-up conversation about that. (laughs) Seriously, though, with with all of this happening around, have you thought about, you know, trying to get back in? Nah, I'm not going to lie. I have thought about it. I'm actually in the mid-stages of developing my own Um, They call it OTT, or over-the-top, or streaming platform, my own little miniature Hulu, if you will. I'm more interested in being able to provide the streaming platform and the access to the audience than I am at this point Ah. starting a wrestling promotion. But I haven't, you know, I have thought about it, and I've had people come to me and suggest it, and you know, I guess I have a reluctance because I've kind of been doing that for 30 years and part of me wants to do something new and and different. But the thought, you know, it ricochets around in the back of my skull, you know, a couple times a month. I realize what just happened here. AJ remembered that Goldberg was a football player and said, if he could do <laughs> that for Bill, I bet he could do the same exact thing for me. That's exactly what happened, right, AJ? Uh, no, actually, I was interested in being the booker. <laughs> <laughs> so he wants, wants to be Kevin Nash. He wants the guy, right? be the guy who yeah. dethrones Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> um, Eric, everything. Okay, so so let me let me go to All In for a second. Is this? Can the wrestlers do this without you know promoters? Is is this something that can be done beyond just a one time one event type of thing? Is this something that could be real? Could talent say? You know, God bless, and you know your talent too. So I'm I'm using your name, but you understand what I'm saying here. God bless you, Eric Bischoff. But I don't need you. I can do this with. We can make this work. Just us. Is that feasible for for a group of talent to go that direction moving forward beyond just this one time event? Absolutely. I you know I, I mean without question, I would be shocked, dismayed, and horribly disappointed if it doesn't happen. And, and I'd be even more surprised if there aren't already discussions to have an all-in two and an all-in three in other markets based on the immediate success that this one had. And that's exactly how all-in came, came about. It was Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks. Two, 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 the Young Bucks are two young guys that you know had been making a name for themselves internationally over in Japan. Uh, I had worked with them just you know briefly for a uh, couple months you know several years ago got to know them just a little bit cody rhodes i've known since he was you know probably six years old i worked very closely with his father dusty rhodes for a long long time um but cody rhodes and who used to work for the wwe and up until about two years ago he worked for them and he he decided because he's got that independent streak in him that his father did quite frankly cody you know woke up one day and said you know what i'm not happy you know being you know, in the big cog here in this wheel called WWE, I'm going to take a risk and I'm going to go out on my own and see if I can make it happen. And he quit the WWE, which, by the way, even for a guy at Cody's status, I don't know what he was making, but I would be shocked if it was anything less than six or eight hundred grand a year. 
And for a young yeah. man to walk away from that and decided he's just going to roll the dice on himself on the independent circuit, number one, I have a, just a boatload of respect for him. But he and the Young Bucks said, hey, why don't we give this a try? And it worked. So I'll be shocked. In fact, if, if they're not already at least talking about it and having some early conversations about it, I'm going to have to sit them down when I get to Chicago and have a chat <laughs> with them. <laughs> Make sure you what's, it. You know, it, what's crazy is the fact that I get a lot of flack for this opinion that I'm about to share. I think that the taser on Bill Goldberg was not a terrible bit like everyone else pretends that it was. I think that using a foreign object on a hoss is how you get a belt off of that person when you have no other way to do it. Uh, but everyone else seems to think that was the stupidest idea ever. And I've never understood that, but I wanted to know, why do you think that was so ill-received? You know, you should be a booker, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, it's, it, it's a couple things, you know, it, Part of it is the, the culture of a wrestling fan. Like I talked about a few minutes ago, that, that just obsessive, compulsive passion for the business. One of the other characteristics that comes along with that is they want to see a traditional match in the ring. They want to see a traditional finish. They want to see a performance, an athletic performance into the ring that they feel is equal to the status of that match on the card. So they would have loved that, that audience back then, and probably even more so now as people look back 20 years with 20 years with the hindsight and talk about what should have been, because that's an easy thing to do, right? Like I could coach the New York Giants football team to a Super Bowl championship six months after the game was over, because <laughs> you have the advantage of going back and looking at plays and telling everybody what you would do differently, because you're so smart now that the game's over. But when you're in the middle of the game, you're dealing with what you have to deal with, right? And Bill Goldberg... Because, as I talked about a minute ago, because we moved him through the, the process so quickly, he didn't really have the skill sets to go out there and have a match with a Scott Hall or Kevin Nash or anybody else that would be that traditional kind of back-and-forth formula where the babyface starts off strong, or the good guy, in this case, Bill Goldberg, starts off strong, and he's in control, and then you heal, or you're antagonist, all of a sudden he cheats a little bit, and then he starts getting his heat, pounding on Bill Goldberg, and then Bill Goldberg makes his big comeback, there's Act 3, and he blows his big comeback and eventually wins the belt as a hero. That's your traditional wrestling formula, but that takes a tremendous amount of skill, timing, um, you need to have a repertoire physically in, in the ring to be able to do a variety of different things to accomplish that story. And the truth is, Bill didn't have that because we moved him along so quickly that we had to be very careful about the types of matches that we put him in and the types of finishes that we could execute with him. It's interesting. Do you think some, do you think some people's reaction and looking back on it is also tied into what happened a week later with the uh, finger poke of doom? It didn't help, you know. It's like we, it's like we. That is true. We we we, we kind of you know, poked the bear, and then once the bear started coming at us, you know, we we, we pulled out a blowtorch and tried to light him on fire too. <laughs> it, it didn't. It didn't help. 
Yeah, yeah, it, it probably wasn't the best. <laughs> it's probably true. All right, hey, Eric, before we let you go, we really appreciate the time, man. I, I want to ask about one other thing that's recent, and that's the number a billion dollars, which is what Fox has decided to pay for five years of rights to air a single WWE television show every week, which is really staggering to think about. When you hear that figure, a billion dollars, would you be at all worried about whether or not a network can truly allow a company full creative freedom or if if you were Eric Bischoff and you were told hey by the way this network just paid a billion dollars they're going to have to have a little bit of say every now and then on some things that we do as as exciting as it is for the business that there's a billion dollar figure that's thrown out there is there any reason for concern about relationship between network and and creative regarding what might happen moving forward absolutely that that right there man you hit it that's the thing that no one's really talking about too much. You know, some of the wrestling-related, you know, they call themselves news sites, but they're really gossip sites. Um, some of them have actually touched on it. But I can tell you, you know, since I got out of wrestling, for, since 2003, I've been creating, producing, selling television shows to various networks. And I've sold shows, created shows, and sold them to everybody from NBC to A&E to Discovery to CMT, BH1, MTV, you name it, I've sold them a show or two for a couple seasons. But one of the things I can tell you in my experience being an independent television producer is that networks have a very, very, very loud say and vested interest in every aspect of a show that goes on our network because they're, they're at risk. They write the check. If I sell a show to a discovery that has a you know, $5 million price tag for eight or 10 episodes, you can be sure that every executive associated with that effort is going to be covering his or her rear end by wanting to know every beat of every aspect of that show, as they should. That That's going to be interesting, yeah. because unless Vince McMahon, and he's highly capable of, of achieving this, by the way, I want to make that clear. But unless within that agreement for that billion dollars, there is language in an understanding that creative, you know, is going to be driven by the WWE and sure there'll be a consultation and we'll try to explain why we're doing what we're doing. But if the traditional kind of protocols were to apply to the WWE as most every other television producer that I know, and some of them 10 times bigger than I've ever dreamt of being, still are faced with the same things. They all have to keep the network happy. And if that same situation exists under this new deal, it won't happen right away. There'll be a honeymoon period, six months, eight months, a year. And the minute there's a downturn in ad sales, the minute there's a resistance to the product in the marketplace, um, I can imagine a scenario where there's going to be a whole bunch of network executives that don't know anything at all about wrestling trying to have a tremendous amount of influence over that product. Yeah. Uh, the potential exists. I think you're right about that. All right, 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff is the podcast. Again, you can go to westwoodonepodcast.com right now, and you can check it out. It is uh, If you enjoyed this, it is so much more because it is Eric Bischoff telling stories, and there is. That's just the best thing that you could possibly ask for. You can also follow Eric on Twitter, at E. Bischoff. Um, Eric, is there anything else that we can plug for you, sir? Hell no. You guys have done a great job. I appreciate that, man. Eric, we can't tell you how much we appreciate you taking the time for us. We love the, the show. 
Uh, may it continue forever, and may we always have Eric Bischoff telling great stories and giving us uh, cocky smiles that make us want to punch him in the face for uh, for eternity, all right? <laughs> Thank you guys very much. Awesome stuff. That was fun. Man, that was great. Uh, appreciate Eric Bischoff joining us, and uh, check out his podcast as well. Very Hold on. Cool. He's not in the WWE Hall of Fame, is he? No, he's not. Not, not yet. Now, I'm I'm convinced I'm I'm convinced they're going to like induct Heyman and Bischoff and you know you get that whole group together one year. Be some logic. So so five years from now, eight years from now, I'll be able to change that number. Bet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there will be a time where that will uh, end up with our tick going up by one. I do agree with that. We're at 22, right? Is that's that's yeah. where we're at? Yeah, 22 yes. Hall of Famers that we've had on the show. All right, um, before we wrap up, did anybody watch uh, the Enzo music video? Uh, it is abysmal. It is atrocious. Awful. There's no question about Awful. that. It is Here's the thing, and this is why it really makes me mad that it's, it's so bad, because, uh, like, hit the concept from the video, like, I'm thinking as I make music videos. So, like, knowing what he's about to talk about, like, the concept he started with, like, the beginning of the video with the fat wrestling fan, I was like, oh, this could be awesome. Well, yeah, but he'd have and to be good. And it was terrible. Yeah, he's not good is the thing. <laughs> like, he's not good. At, I hope this. I hope he's kidding about thinking that music is the next direction for him because he's not good at it. That right? was terrible. Like, you, like, you know who wasn't bad, though? Our old buddy Leo Rush. Yeah, you know, Leo Rush. Yeah, single. you're right about that. That is true. And uh, there was a really cool story about him on uh, ESPN.com as well. Uh, but, yeah, the Enzo thing was awful. And it didn't even really, like – address anything like for that being his like addressing everything that happened yeah we didn't really get any answers like and i get it like what's he gonna say he's gonna say i didn't do anything and so i guess technically he did address it that way but like i don't know i it just oh it was so bad god it was it was so just bad. bad like that's the thing it, it was bad it was just so bad oh it was atrocious all right uh aj let's get the plugs in we'll start with you uh yeah you can follow me on social media at aj francis 410 um, I got my mixtapes coming out on June 9th. Um, it's called Six Nine. Uh, it's got nine original, oh nine, nine tracks on there. Um, three original songs. Uh, what's crazy is one of the songs is actually the the opening song is uh, uh, Degeneration X is the beat that I chopped and made into a, a song beat. And you might have heard him performing that at uh, Mania Crawl earlier this year. Yeah, and I, that was also the song that I did at Mania Crow. It's going to be sick. Um, uh, so, yeah, that'll be out June 9th. And also, uh, you can just follow me, like I said, on social media, at AJ Francis 410 and you can get all my music. Um, you can get all the videos that I'll be doing, and I appreciate y'all for having me another beautiful week, fellas. Uh, Aaron, you're on Twitter? At the AOster. We are on Twitter. At Driving Out Show. Email? Driving Out Show at gmail.com. Baltimore Sun Rolling Stone. Uh, I'm hoping to talk to Leo. We, I was trying to get him on this show this week. Just if things couldn't work out schedule-wise. He if, said he was open toward in the future. So hopefully in future weeks coming up here, we'll be able to get to you, talk to Leo. If, if but you, I'll be talking to him for the Baltimore Sun. If you talk to him for the Baltimore Sun and we don't get him on this show, go fuck yourself. I'm, I'm yeah. trying, man. Like, like seriously. This, this, this is on me. This isn't on me. This isn't on him. right up your ass, okay? Just take it and put it right directly up your ass, okay? Because it'll be the no sec- sell it. And then it'll be the second time that you've done that. <laughs> okay, I'm not talking about the pipe thing. You might have done that a hundred times. I'm talking about with Leo. That'd be twice that you did something with Leo for some other thing instead of doing it on this show. We've had Leo on this show twice already. I what know. Oh, I was thinking Patrick Clark. So you've done it with Patrick Clark and Leo then. 
So it'll be twice that you've done it with people that we would have wanted to have on the show. Fair enough. Speaking uh-huh. of Patrick Clark. Oh, did you see the oh, Ricochet Patrick Clark thing? Well, no, we got to talk about the John Cena thing, dude. Yes. What the fuck? Yeah, we didn't even talk about that. Holy shit. That was I saw, awesome. I was live. Yeah? Oh, the, you were there for the flip? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't oh, think about man. that. Yeah, that was incredible. That was fucking incredible. <laughs> yeah, that that's, why, that's why awesome. I wish, sometimes I wish I wasn't live so I could talk about these things with you guys. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, <laughs> and yeah, John Cena puts uh, puts him way over. Way, way over. over, which is which is just wild. Just wild. Eggs over my hand. No like freaking question, man. No freaking question. All right, at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. GlennClarkRadio.com is my website. Thanks again to Veda Scott and to Eric Bischoff for Aaron Oster and for... The main event. Vent. 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 That's probably the last one. I've got to assume. There's no way there's another one coming. I'm Glenn Clark. This has been Jobbing Out. Jobbing Out. Vent.